Good morning. I'm really excited to be here this morning. I'm really excited to be speaking to you. As you heard, my name is Christian McAllister. I am the, uh, the campus pastor of the Sterling Campus for Grace Church. Um, so you have probably heard a few things about me. Uh, one of those things is that I, um, I have enjoyed competing in something called the Scottish Highland Games. Uh, I, I like doing these strongman events. Um, in the Scottish Highland Games, one of the things we do is throw a, a caber, that's what it's called, but it's like a big telephone pole. Um, and ironically, when we throw it, we don't throw it for distance, we throw it for, for, uh, for technique. Um, but, uh, but we also do stone puts. We, we take a large rock and we throw it as far as we can. Um, what's been neat, um, having that experience doing those competitions has afforded me to do something that I found I really enjoy. Uh, I've been able to coach at the high school level for our, our um, well, when I lived in Hershey, for the, the high school uh, track and field shot put team. Um, I have always enjoyed lifting weights. Probably back when I was in high school, I really got into it. One time I thought I wanted to be a bodybuilder. Another time I thought I wanted to be a power lifter. But then I kind of settled in on that strongman stuff. And um, I, I've always really enjoyed that to the point of if I could be at the gym every day of the week, I would be. I'd be one of those guys. Um, I don't have that type of time, but uh, I, I definitely enjoy working out at the gym. Um, living in Hershey, there was a, a, a strongman uh, world strongman contender, actually, that lived in the area, and um, a few years ago, he just didn't wake up one morning. Um, he, he died in his sleep due to heart failure. Um, sadly, a, a lot of bodybuilders, strongmen, um, powerlifters, they, they die too young because their hearts fail. You know, they spend all this time working their muscles out um, taking their bodies to the peak of performance, and yet they neglect the most important muscle, the heart. They, um, their hearts can't function at the same level that the rest of their bodies can, and, and so they, they just they give out. So a few years ago, I, I, I decided I don't want to be one of those statistics. After this happened to this, this guy, um, in the local area, I thought, I, I don't, I don't want to be um, gone for my children. I, I want to I grow old and, and see their children. I, I want to walk some of my children down the aisle. Um, and so I need to dedicate some of my time in the gym to my, to my heart health. Um, and, and so it's kind of you know, funny being a big guy going into the gym. There's all these options of what you can work out on, right? And, and the way I think is, what's going to hurt the least when it comes to my aerobic activity? And, and so the elliptical machine, have you ever been on an elliptical machine? Those things are amazing. You get a lot of work done on those machines, and, and yet you, you walk away feeling really good. They're low impact. And, uh, and so I was really enjoying being on the elliptical machine, but then I had uh, a youth uh, guy that had graduated out of my youth program there. Um, and he was, he was working toward becoming a police officer and had started doing something called Couch to 5K. And so he challenged me to do Couch to 5K. Um, the, the whole idea is it takes someone that's a couch potato and moves them into being able to run a 5K race. Now understand, you're not going to run it at like world record time, but you're not going to be a couch potato anymore either. You're going you're gonna to learn how to run and be able to run that distance. And uh, I, I thought, I'm up to that challenge. I can do that. 
And so I started working out on the treadmill. I downloaded the app. And basically, it's interval training. It takes you from, uh, you, you start out maybe running, running a minute, and then, then you walk for, for a minute and a half. And, um, and so that's easy enough. And you do it, you know, minute, minute and a half, minute, minute and a half. And you do that like six times, and that's a workout. And that, okay, that's cool. Um, but then they, they switch it up on you. They're kind of tricking you because then like the next week, it's like run for two minutes. Don't worry, you can do it. Run for two minutes and then walk for a minute and a half. Okay, I'll try that. Okay, so you do that. By the third week, it's like run for five minutes and then walk for a minute and a half. You can do it. Don't worry about it. And um, soon enough, you're running the whole time and you're not walking anymore. And, and you actually in eight weeks can do it. And I was doing it. And I was pretty excited about doing it. I did it through the course of a whole winter, and it, it, it was coming around to track season. I thought, you know who needs to know about this? My throwers. I don't know if you know throwers when it comes to you know, track and field. You can tell who the throwers are in the track and field picture. You, you, you know, the high school have all the, um, they have all the athletes uh, in picture form in, in the athletic department. You can look through, and oh, that's a runner, that's a runner, that's a, oh, there's the throwing department right there. Big guys right in the middle, kind of stand there. You know, and um, the whole reason guys join the throwing team is they want to meet girls but not have to run to do it. Um, and so <laughs> throwers have a creed. Throwers actually have a creed. It says, why run when you can walk, right? Why walk when you can, when you can stand? Why stand when you can sit? Why sit when you can lay down? It was pretty common during our practices, while someone's in the throwing circle getting ready to throw, everyone else is laying in the grass, right? And so um, I, I said, guys, you know, we're going to do something different this season. We're going to run. Whoa, 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 coach. We're throwers. We don't run. No, but this year, my throwers are going to run. But guys, don't worry. I'm going to run with you. I'm that type of coach. I'm not going to ask you to do something that I wouldn't do myself. I'm going to be out there with you. So first day of practice, we show up. There's this buzz in the air. The throwers are going to run. Did you hear the throwers are going to run? I show up in my running tights. You're welcome. You're not going to be able to get that out of your mind for a while, are you? And I tell you, we took off and... Wow, I was so proud. And then it happened. This is not the way it feels when I'm in the gym. When I'm in the gym, I'm on an elliptical machine and I'm as graceful as a gazelle, right? I'm on the, I'm on the treadmill and my shins don't feel like this. Right now, it feels like someone is taking a branding iron and pressing it into my shins, all the while someone else is pouring molten lava down my socks. My shins are on fire. This is not the way it's supposed to feel, and that's just my legs. Then you have my heart, and it feels like it's keeping cadence to a rap song, right? And I feel like I look like one of those cartoon characters that's in love, and his heart is pounding like 12 inches out of his chest, and the problem is... We're only a few yards into a 1,600-yard run. Needless to say, that was the last time that coach ran with the throwers. Yeah, I don't know which hurt more, my, um, my body or my ego. When it, comes to, um, when it comes to our hearts, it's important that we monitor our heart health. We need to have healthy hearts if we want to live a long life and enjoy all the pleasures that there are to enjoy in growing old. When we're young, we feel invincible. We feel like we can uh, do whatever we want and it won't ever sneak up on us or, or catch us. 
we eat those grease-dripping sandwiches and we don't exercise, but it's just a matter of time. And uh, we can have big problems in the not-too-distant future. The same way we need to monitor the health of our emotional hearts. In the Bible and in Proverbs 4, um, yeah, Proverbs 4.23, it says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So I don't know if you've been with us for the last few weeks or not, but we've been having a very interesting conversation about the enemies of our heart. It's based upon a book written by Andy Stanley by the same title. Um, if, you, um, if you haven't been with us, I'll just give you a quick reha- recap. We, we've learned that there's some new habits we can adopt to overcome the bad uh, habits and the bad emotions in our heart. So guilt can be overcome by confession, all right? And uh, anger can be resolved by forgiveness. And, and greed can be remedied by giving. So maybe you can relate to one or more of these. I want to encourage you to take some time this week and check out our website or even the app and listen to some of those sermons. Did you know that the heart has four main arteries. There's the right coronary artery, the left main artery, the left circumflex artery, and then there's the left anterior descending artery. That's known as the lad. The lad has a nickname. Its nickname is the Widowmaker. This week we're gonna be looking at the last enemy of our heart. It's jealousy. Jealousy is the widowmaker, the enemies of our heart. We, um, we rarely give jealousy much care or concern when it comes to our emotions. You know, jealousy is that feeling we felt in fourth grade when Susie was talking to our boyfriend, right? You know, in sixth grade when, you know, if they would have thrown me the ball, I would have been the one to make the game-winning shot. Jealousy is that immature emotion that we experience, and, and we've all had some sort of experience with it in our yesteryear, right? Um, jealousy isn't an adult emotion that we experience. That's, that's, a, that's a child's emotion. Or, or do we struggle with it? We often will disguise jealousy as, as competition, as, um, as dissatisfaction, as condemnation, as righteous indignation. Yeah, well, my son would pitch as good as that kid if I had all the money to pour into that extra coaching that they've done. I'd be able to fit into that dress if I skipped as many meals as she has. Nice car, but uh, I would never refinance my house to buy it. I mean, talk about a bad investment they made. I hear they bribe their kids to be that good. Aw, daddy got her that job promotion. Isn't that cute and sad? The only way they have that many friends on Instaface and Twittergram is by buying them, because I know they don't have that many friends. I want us to look at a a story that Jesus tells. Turn to Luke uh, Luke is, is a book in the Bible toward the back. It's in the New Testament, um, and, uh, and it's actually a gospel. So turn to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be looking at chapter 15. Chapter 15 in the Gospel of Luke. 
Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, in the back of our chairs we have Bibles. You feel free to use those Bibles. You'll actually find it on page 849. Um, and if you, if you don't own a Bible or would like a Bible, those Bibles are there for you to take. We believe that the Bible has uh, life-changing truth in it. And, um, and, and we know that it, it will provide you hope if you're looking for it. The Bible has a lot to say about jealousy. It says it kills the simple. It equates it to parties and fleshly desires. It says it's worse than anger and wrath. The Bible says that jealousy is evil. So if you look around verse 11 in Luke 15, there's a story. Um, It's a story of a father and his two sons. There's an older son and a younger son. And the younger son comes to his father and he says, Dad, I wish you were dead. I mean, if you actually are reading it, it doesn't really say that, but that's basically what he's saying to his father. He's coming to his father and saying, Dad, you know that inheritance that that I'm going to get when you die? Let's just pretend that you're dead now and you give me what's mine. And so dad actually cashes out. He sells everything he has. And so the older son would have gotten a double portion and the younger son would have gotten one-third. So he gives his younger son his one-third. And he takes it and he goes away. He goes and he parties. Drugs, alcohol, gambling, sex. He does it all. It's like he's making it rain. You know, and all these people are showing up and then it's gone. And as it's gone, so are his friends. And he finds himself there penniless and friendless. And what's he going to do? And let me just take a moment and tell you that um, you're not crazy, okay? (laughs) That voice you hear in your head that sometimes you even respond to, you're not crazy. That's called self-talk. And he's standing there in this moment, and he knows something's got to change. And and so he starts self-talking. What am I going to do? Um... I know, I'm going to get a job, I'm, I'm going to start slopping pigs, because that's, that's how I'm going to be able to earn some money. Well, about this time, there's, there's a famine in the land, is what Jesus says in this story. That'd be kind of the equivalent of like an economic downturn, or even an economic crash today, right? So, so here he is, moneyless, friendless, so he's no one to lean on, and he doesn't know what to do, and so he convinces himself, I'm just going to get a job slopping pigs, because that's the only thing he could get. And so he starts feeding the pigs. And as he's feeding the pigs, again, he's back to talking to himself again, and, and he's hungry. You know, maybe this, maybe this food, maybe it's not so bad. I mean, um, look at the size of these pigs. They're getting pretty big off of eating it. I, I bet you I could, I could probably eat some of this, and, and, and I'd be all right. It's about that time that he realizes he's at rock bottom. <laughs> what am I thinking? That's stupid. I mean, my dad, his workers, his workers have a roof over their head. They they have food in their stomach. I need to go work for my father. So that's what he does. He starts heading home and, uh, and, and plans to work for his father. As he's walking home, he's doing this thing that I like to do. I like to, I like to carry on... Um, 
hypothetical conversations in my mind so I can come up with the, the, the rebuttals of, of arguments and, and, and I can play out scenarios and, and what, the, what the conversation may seem like. So, so he's walking home and, okay, so I'm gonna say this to my dad. Dad, I, I think it would be very wise of me to come home and reestablish relationship with you. But, but, and then dad's gonna say, uh, no, son, you, you said you wish I was dead. And so I'm gonna come back, but remember, dad, you're supposed to love me. So as he's walking home, he's, he's going through this argument and this conversation figuring out exactly what the plan is so when he gets there, he can talk to dad. About the time he reaches the homestead, dad is sitting there looking out the kitchen window. And is that, could it be? He takes off running out the door. It's his son. His son, he's alive. He runs out to his son and he grabs him. And in my mind, he picks him up like he's still five years old and swings him over his head. You're alive. You're alive. I thought you were dead. You're alive. His son's standing there saying, oh, dad, dad, I want to uh, offer you a proposition. Dad, I need to talk to you about this idea that, son, son, I thought you were dead, you're alive, you were lost, but here you are, you're found, you're right here. Dad, this, this conversation isn't going exactly how I had it planned, but see, I, well, I was thinking, son, shh, 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 son, be quiet, be quiet. Why do you look like this? And oh my, my, you stink. Here, take my robe. Put it on. You're my son. As a matter of fact, here's my signet ring. Put it on. Everyone needs to know you're my son. Everyone. Listen, stop. Workday is over. Today, right now, we are going to celebrate. My son, I thought he was dead, but he's alive. He is here. He's, he's found. We're going to celebrate like we've never celebrated before. You know what? Call Longhorn, call, call Texas Roadhouse, Out, Outback Steak. Get all the steaks they have and have them, cater them in. We are going to have a feast tonight to celebrate my son being home. The passage says that they killed the fattened calf. Understand that there was a famine during this time. They didn't. They didn't have the means to kill the fattened calf, but that's how important this situation was. About this time, the older son is coming in from working the fields. You notice something going on. What's happening over there? Looks like a party. Yeah, you don't know what happened? No, what? Your brother, he's home. Who? Your brother. He came home. You know, the one, the one that everyone thought was dead? He's alive. No. No, I don't have a brother. He is dead. He's dead. No, he's home. He came home, and your dad wanted to celebrate. Wait, 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 what? Hold on. My brother, the one that nearly ruined dad, made him cash out right before the famine, that brother that went and, and partied all of the money away, then come home, comes home and we're throwing him another party? No, 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 I'm not going to celebrate. And just like the father ran out to the younger son, the father came out to the older son. Son, why aren't you in here celebrating? What was lost is found. Your brother, we thought he was dead, but he's alive. You need to come in and celebrate. Dad, no. Dad, he nearly ruined you. You sold everything you had to, 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 to honor his wishes, and, and he went and, and wasted it all. 
We've been, we've been working so hard just to try to recover from that. I've been working to the bone, Dad. No. You know, Dad, here's the funny thing. You gave him his portion, he wasted it, and this party you're throwing, that's my portion. You're giving him my portion now, Dad. No. Dad, I have, I've obeyed you. Everything you've asked from me, Dad, I've, I've done. And not once, Dad, not once did you say, here, son, here's 20 bucks. Invite some friends over. You know, order some pizza. Take the night off and celebrate. Not once did you offer for me to do that, Dad. And in verse 31, his father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed with me and everything I have is yours. It's always been yours. You could have celebrated any time you wanted. But today, we have to celebrate. For your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. The older son refused to celebrate with his father, the very person he was loyal to. Out of jealousy and even resentment in his heart towards his brother. Andy Stanley in his book says that without any real effort, jealousy becomes resentment. But resentment needs justification. Once we find we are, once we find that we're safe because we believe our feelings are entirely justified and we can continue feeling that jealousy without any guilt. It's hard to believe that we've lived here for two months now and um, we've, had a, we've had a plumbing issue for almost that entire two-month period in our house. I'm not a plumber, all right? But let me just share with you my basic understanding of how plumbing works. You, you, you turn on water, water's in your house, you turn on water and, and the dirty water goes down and out, okay? That's how it works. Down, out. That's good, right? But in our house, it goes down. Not out, <laughs> right? Okay, so we, we had a plumber come in and he actually snaked the line and, and everything was good again. Down and out, thank you very much, <laughs> right? Down and out, we were so happy about that. And then it happened again, it just went down. So we called the plumber back and he came and he looked and he said, you know, we call him Plumber Dan, by the way. Plumber Dan, he, you know, <clears throat> your problem may actually be out in your, in your septic tank. Now, if you grew up in the city, you know, our understanding of the way it works, it's, it's down and out and goodbye, right? Down and out, goodbye, somewhere down the street, we pay someone to take care of it, who cares, it's not our problem anymore, right? But if you live in the country, it's down and out for a little ways and then we collect it. I'm not sure why, right? So, um, so we might have a problem with what? Well, you, we, need to, we need to check out your septic tank. Okay, so, um, so we go out, 
And I told you earlier I like to lift things, right? I, I like to pick things up and put them down. And, and there's this big concrete slab covering a hole. And he says, we need, a, we need to pop the lid on that thing. So I reach down and I, I, I lift this big thing up. I pop the lid and whoa, boy, did that stink. As I was preparing for this talk this morning, I realized I, I have a problem in my heart. See, if you haven't figured it out, I like to tell stories. I'm a storyteller. And, um, and I wanted to come up with a good story of jealousy that would be funny, you know, like maybe, maybe from back in elementary school when, when, when I was jealous about, you know, this crush or something I had. And, or maybe, maybe a story about this kid that was, you know, a really good athlete and I wasn't, and ha, 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 but I couldn't come up with one that was a ha, ha, ha moment. Every story I thought of was just sad. And some were even pathetic. And the reality that struck me was they were all disturbing. I mean, I thought of the story of the time I got mad at my mom because she gave my sister a bigger piece of pizza than I got. Or Mike. I hated Mike in middle school. I really hated him because he was a better athlete than me. And I I let everyone know that he's not as good as me. Or Jason in high school. I despised Jason, and he didn't even know it. But he had a clean complexion while I had a lot of acne, and I I hated Jason for that. Or the guy in college. The guy in college, see, I I graduated summa cum laude, but I didn't graduate valedictorian. He got that honor, and I worked harder than him. Or when we started having kids, and, and that one family, that, that one family that was like Facebook perfect, and you know, they were blogging and making brownies while their kids were changing their own diapers. <laughs> or that, that lady that I worked with, that she got my promotion. Everyone said that I was a shoe and that it was my promotion. I was, I was made for that job, and somehow she got that job. Well, you know how she got that job. Well, daddy works for the company, and he pulled some strings. She's not qualified. She doesn't even know what she's doing. Yeah, see, when God popped the lid on my heart as I was studying for this, I realized that it really stinks. Jealousy or envy shows up in one of two ways. I either see something you have and wish I had it, or I see something you have and really hope that you lose it. Jealousy is crippling, it's debilitating, it's confining. Jealousy not only wants success for us, but wants it stripped away from you. On a lighter note, have you ever noticed when adult men are jealous, it's like they revert all the way back to elementary school? It's like, oh yeah? Well, you're stupid. Yeah, I'm better than that than you are. And if all else fails, well, my dad can beat up your dad. Right? But women, when they're jealous, they sound like serial killers. I love your skin. (laughs) I want your hair. 
I would do anything for your legs. I would kill for your eyes. Right? The root of jealousy is that we are selfish and insecure. Let me say that again. The root of jealousy is that we're selfish and insecure. The reality about jealousy is we really aren't upset with the people we think we're upset with. It's not their fault. Jason had no control over his complexion, and he certainly wasn't the cause of my complexion. See, we're really upset with God. When we're jealous, it's like we're saying, God, you owe me. God, you're doing a lousy job with this story that's my life. God, (laughs) yeah, you've done such a bad job and you owe me for not making me like him or giving me what she has. God, I thought I was special in your eyes. I thought... I thought I was made in your image. So, so God, why is it then that everyone else is getting the, the, the special treatment, not me? My birthday is this week. It's on Wednesday. In case you're wondering what you're doing on Wednesday. I like, I like pie. I was uh, remembering, remembering a birthday, I think it was fifth grade, back in fifth grade, it was on a Wednesday, and, um, and we went to church on Wednesday night, and so my mom had to rush home, and she always made us like a special dinner. I always wanted tacos. Tacos was like my special birthday dinner, and, um, and, then, and then she got, um, she got me some gifts and brought, brought them out, and, and I, I'll tell you, I can remember exactly what they were. One was a Rocky Balboa car. All right, and the other was, was uh, well, it was two action figures. One was He-Man, and the other one was Stratus, one of his, one of his um, like, buddies, if you know the story of He-Man. doesn't matter. But the minute I opened them, my brother, my older brother and my younger sister immediately, like, grabbed them and started playing with them. And I remember sitting there, wait, hold on, no, no, it's my special day. These are mine. No, you can't, you, no. When we're jealous, it's like we're saying, God, no. I'm not gonna celebrate with, with these people, with, with the things that you're doing in their lives. No, God, no. You're not doing a good job in my life. I'm certainly not gonna celebrate what you're doing in their lives. God, I believe that my son should be better at baseball than the way you made him. God, why why didn't you give me his muscle tone? God, I've been praying for a new car. Why does she get a second one? God, why does it seem like my kids are the only ones that came out of the island of misfit toys? (laughs) God, that job was supposed to be my job. So what do we do to guard against this really immature emotion that keeps cropping up in our hearts? What do we do to keep it from becoming resentment and clogging our arteries? The answer is actually found in in Luke chapter 15. If you go earlier in the chapter, toward the beginning, there's actually three stories that Jesus is telling. 
The first story is of the shepherd. The shepherd has 100 sheep. And, and one runs away. And so he leaves the 99 and he goes after the one. And when he finds it, he calls all of his friends together and he says, celebrate with me because that which was lost is now found. And Jesus says that heaven rejoices when the lost are found. He then, he then tells the story of this lady that has, has 10 pieces of silver and she loses one and she starts tearing her house apart. You ever get a birthday card with a check in it from like grandma and oh that's nice and you put it aside and then all of a sudden you remember like month, two months, six months later, wait I got a check from grandma and you like start ripping through every envelope you can find. It's kind of like that. She ripped apart her house and then she found that coin and so she, she invited all of her friends over to celebrate because that which was lost is found and Jesus says that heaven celebrates with us. And then he tells the story of this father and his two sons, and, 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 and the, one, the one addict, loser son that, that took everything, and then, and then he came home. And the father celebrated because he thought he was dead, but, but he's been made alive. He was lost, but now he's found. When it comes to how we should respond to jealousy. The habit that we need to take on to, to replace jealousy is to celebrate. The antidote for overcoming jealousy is celebration. You may not always feel like celebrating, though. So here's what I, I believe. I believe we need to have an attitude of gratitude. We need to be content with the way God is working in our lives. So it starts there. See, a little secret for you, God's not done with us yet. He's still working in our lives. So be patient. He has made you uniquely you for a reason. There's nothing wrong with celebrating the uniquely you that he's making in someone else, though. And if you don't quite feel like it, I want to tell you, you need to fake it till you make it. Even with Jesus in our heart, jealousy can easily find its way back into our hearts and push out the love that the Holy Spirit is trying to produce in us. So we need to fake it till we make it. So that, that coworker that got that raise or got that position, celebrate with them. It's exciting news for them. Who are you to decide that they, they shouldn't get it? That is, unless you're jealous. It's wonderful that that boy pitches so well. And yes, he might have outpitched your son in the baseball game. He has talent. Celebrate the talent. If your neighbor buys a new car, go tell him it's a nice car. That is, unless it isn't a nice car, and then don't lie. <laughs> Hooray for your sister. She's finally fitting into that bathing suit she's been working so hard to get into for summer. Celebrate the victories. By celebrating with people in your life, even when you don't feel like it, you're diffusing a potential time bomb ticking away in your own heart. You're making space for the Holy Spirit to do a rework in your life. He's reprogramming your thinking so that you find joy instead of fault in others. Recognizing the joyful moments and victories in other people's lives will help you and seeing the amazing things that God is doing in and through you and over time, 
It's going to become natural. You will genuinely celebrate with people and not have to worry about the guilt of feeling jealous. The best part of celebrating along with the Holy Spirit for the incredible things that he's doing in people's lives is that you actually, in in doing that, get to experience the heart of God and how he desires for us to live and to love. See, God has designed us to be in relationship. He wants us to be in relationship with him, and he wants us to be in relationship with those he has created. When talking about love, in 1 Corinthians 13, I call the love chapter, verse 4 says that love is not jealous. It is impossible for us to be jealous of and to love someone at the same time. One will rule in your emotional kingdom and the other one will be forced to serve. In Proverbs 30, I'm sorry, 14, verse 30, it says, a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like cancer in the bones. Which one are you allowing to win? So my son, he... uh, he was convinced he liked sushi, but he had never tried it before, so he, uh, a dear, uh, friends, dear friends of our family took him out for sushi, and, and so uh, as he was eating it, they asked him, what do you think, do you like it? And, and he's, he's chewing it, and he has to force it down his throat, and he says, oh yeah, I love it. It nearly made me puke, but I love it. It really seems like a contradiction. It's impossible for us to be jealous of and to love someone at the same time. That contradiction can't exist when we're talking about God's creation and the amazing things he's doing in and through their lives. God's heart is that we love him and that we love those he has created. In Matthew Matthew 22 Verse 37 through 40, Jesus shares God's heart. Verse 37 says, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Jeff Bogue wrote in his book, Five Assumptions About God. Those words came straight out of Jesus' heart and mind. God wants one thing from you and me, our love. He wants us to love him with everything we have, and that love is always going to be expressed through our love for other people, because people are the ones Jesus loves. When When I love God, I will love people, and when I love people, my love for God will deepen. God's heart is that we love him and that we love those he has created. It is impossible for us to be jealous of and to love someone at the same time. So we must let go of those elementary jealous emotions that we feel and make room, make room to love God's creation. We ought to celebrate with heaven when the lost are found. Are you able to celebrate with heaven? As the band makes their way forward, I just, I want to talk to you here for a minute.
maybe through the course of this morning, as I've been sharing some of my, my stories, some thoughts of, of a time or two in your life when you felt jealous popped up in your, in your mind. Maybe you realize that it didn't stop there, but, but that you actually have continued to feel, feel jealousy. Maybe you've even been able to recognize that there's actually resentment in your heart that you need to deal with. As God has popped the lid on your heart, maybe you've realized it stinks. I want to I challenge you today to pray to God. God, I've got an issue in my heart. And it stinks. God, I want you to make space in my heart so that I can celebrate with all of heaven. God, help me. Help me to find joy in the things that you're doing in other people's lives. Help me to be content with what you're doing in mine. Help me to, help me to re- remember and realize that you're not done with me yet, God, and help me to see the good work that you're doing. You know, maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. Today's the day to do that. Here's the amazing thing. See, God, God can't be around sin because he's a holy God. And God knew that, that, that sin is this great divide. It, it separates us from him. And so he made a way for us to be able to be reconnected to him through his son, Jesus. Jesus came and died on a cross for our sins for the enemies of our heart, for the resentment that's built up in there. Jesus died for those clogged arteries that need to be cleaned out. He was buried and he rose again so that we can have victory over the enemies of our heart. We need to be heart healthy. And God is a great physician, the great physician. And he can heal every heart. Father, God, thank you so much for your love. God, thank you for for working on my heart. God, I pray that you work on our hearts. God, there are people in this room today that they know they they have an issue with one of these enemies, with the enemy of jealousy. God, help them to experience the freedom that you offer. Make space in their heart, God, so that they can experience what it is to celebrate along with heaven when the lost are found. Please use the Holy Spirit, God, in in cleaning and clearing things up for them. God, I pray for these people as they go into the workplace this week, as they they interact with their family, as as they go and play. God, I pray that your love is seen in and through them, that people will recognize you as they look at us. God, use us to bring you glory. We love you. In Jesus' name.